This entry on Eusebius on Times Live is me reflecting on a video that is doing the rounds currently, and I want to reflect in two capacities. Firstly, as an analyst and contributor to Times Live and a political analyst in the country, but simultaneously, secondly, as a citizen, because I think that this is a conversation that is multifaceted and doesn't only implicate questions of politics per se. Now, the video I'm talking about, I've no doubt anyone listening to this reflection has already seen or heard the audio. In the unlikely event that you haven't, let me give you the context. Limpopo Health MEC Dr. Popi Ramatuba had been filmed while confronting a foreign national citizen scheduled for surgery at a hospital in that particular province. And there's so much about her engagement while doing the rounds at this hospital that I think is just absolutely ethically and politically really, really poor. And that's putting it mildly. If I was being more blunt about it, I think that her remarks and her behavior is absolutely disgusting. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people zone, their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. I want to start off by playing the clip for those who have not heard the audio. Combined with the visuals, it's even more pathetic and lamentable. But the audio alone and what she says is critically important. Interestingly, it has divided the public. I am not surprised because I can make sense of the revisions. But I'm nevertheless flabbergasted that some people think you could possibly defend what the MEC for health had said in Limpopo. Let's have a listen to exactly what it is that happened. Now, if you can't access the video, also it's critical to recognize that the audio you're about to hear is her directly speaking at, not even being in conversation with, at a patient in full glare of the film with a crowd of people around her, a whole entourage in a public health facility. And this is what she had said. You speak Shona, and then how do you find yourself in Vila Vila <laughs> when you are supposed to be with Mundangago You know he doesn't give me money to operate you guys, and I'm operating you with my limited budget. Thank you so much, Oh, you can't appreciate that. You're killing my health system. You are killing my health system. When you guys are sick, I'm hearing these days, you just say, let's cross the Mpopo River, there's an MEC there who's running charity department. It's not. And I'm going to tell you something that is truthful and painful. You know, that's SA. 
goes and count people during the census and tell me that in Limpopo we have got 5.7 million people and tell me out of that 5.7 million, 91% do not have medical aid, they are dependent on the state. Uh, 9% they will say has got medical aid, they depend on private hospital. And then they go and give national treasure. When national treasury allocates its budget, they said Limpopo has got 5.7 million people, and they subtract the 91, the 7%, 9%, and they give me the budget of the 91 to do all these operations. Now, I am here, instead of using the budget for what it's meant for, I'm operating for what Munangwabwa is supposed to do. And that is why when my people of Limpopo want health services, they can't get. And that is angering the community. Because you are coming here to act hours in George Masai. We are busy operating with Mozambique National everywhere. And you are not even registered anywhere. You are not counted. You are even illegal. And you are abusing me. This is unfair. It's unfair. I can't go to Zimbabwe and get health care. Do you think they can allow to operate me? It's for their own people. I went to Canada recently. You know, before I entered the country, I must show, before they give me a visa, I must show them that a proof that indeed if I fell sick in Canada, I'll be able to cater for myself. It is only in South Africa where people just come in. And people have got problems with Minister Mtuali. You know why he's like this? It's because he was working in health and he knows the pain. Mm. And people call him xenophobic to say he's anti-Zimbabwe. He's not anti-anybody. Minister Mtuali was feeling the pain. I used to go with him to um, Musima to see the problem there. So, says he, you won't be discharged until you settle your bill. You must charge him. Yeah, I... Honestly, I do not know how anybody can possibly think that there is a lot there that is worth excavating to the surface and to defend on behalf of the MEC. And I want to give my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. But this is how I see these issues in terms of the intersection of ethics and politics that is playing out there. Let's start with, firstly, the political way in which one should read what is going on there. It is not in first instance, the appropriate forum to raise these matters. If you think that there is a drain on your public health system as a result of citizens from another country effectively crossing the border in order to enjoy public health facilities and thereby putting pressure on your system, that is a matter for bilateral and multilateral fora to discuss. You pick up the phone, you speak to your counterpart in Zimbabwe or in another country, or you escalate the matter to your provincial political principal or to the president of the country to take up at that level with his counterpart in Zimbabwe. That is how you handle these matters. Of course, an MEC is entitled to have an opinion and doesn't only have to escalate it quietly, but you don't do so speaking at a patient who is critically in hospital waiting to undergo surgery 
You, could, you can do it by calling a press briefing, for example, and then calmly and analytically deliver the takeaway messages about the disproportionate number of folks crossing the border as health migrants effectively and why that is a strain on your job description and KPIs as health MEC. One can even grant the MEC that that is a legitimate concern to have for argument's sake. And I'll come back to what I'm saying for argument's sake. But even if you grant her that, the question is, do you speak at a patient as if you are now addressing the nation? Why don't you call a press conference, for example, away from the public hospital or outside the public hospital, outside the ward for that matter, so that you are not speaking to the patient in a context where you have a patient undergoing an existential crisis, awaiting to undergo surgery, and they have to listen to a finger-wagging politician that is berating them as an individual, talking about stats SA, talking about systems analysis, that has got absolutely nothing to do with their immediate, desperate need to be seen to by whichever medical practitioner had been scheduled to operate on them or whatever the medical process is. I mean, it's, it's just not the right forum. And that's the first point. It is a really important point. Just the other day, we had one of our senior diplomats berating his counterparts for going on social media and talking about crime here in South Africa. And he defended himself by suggesting that when it comes to international relations, there are practices for when and how you raise matters as neighbors in order to make sure that you are able to cooperate and coexist geographically as well as geopolitically. And the health MEC simply fails to understand, and it's not the first time nor the last time, she seems to be rewarded for being useless, she fails to understand the political processes that are salient when it comes to engaging another country if those countries' citizens in critical numbers are putting a drain are a drain on your public resources in your country. So the first criticism is that it's not the right forum. The second is, for me, probably also the reason why I think whatever you think of the economic freedom fighters, one of their press statements today is absolutely spot on, which is to also lodge a complaint with the relevant health professional body that looks after medical ethics and making sure that medical doctors are compliant with their ethical oath of office, which is a commitment to do no harm. Your job as a medical doctor is to wake up in the morning and to do your darndest to ensure that as many people as possible exist, preferably flourish and doesn't just exist, and that you use your training to that end from a medical ethics point of view. And so the second problem with the audio that you just heard is that not only is the health MEC showing her lack of understanding of diplomatic skill and processes, but she's also failing as a medical practitioner to uphold her own medical commitment from an oath viewpoint to doing absolutely no harm. All you are doing is creating further anxiety, creating stress for that patient, not engaging and seeing that human being as a patient that is in critical care. What the MEC has done is to speak there as an irate, useless politician 
and to forget that she's also simultaneously a medical practitioner. And that for me is a failure. It's not only a failure to be empathetic to someone, the patient that is, who is in a really bad way as an individual that has to undergo surgery, so clearly there's something wrong with them. But besides the lack of empathy just at a human level, there's also the failure to live up to your own medical ethics modules that you were taught unless you weren't paying attention in class and it was a fluke for you to get through the parts of your curriculum that was about bedside manner and about the commitment to doing no harm. There's absolutely nothing to take away in that clip that you can play at a medical school to inspire doctors to understand what medical ethics is really about. If anything, if you are a lecturer at a medical school anywhere in the world, that clip is an excellent clip to play as an example of what not to do in terms of understanding medical ethics. And so that for me is the second failure. The first is a political failure at the level of diplomacy and international relations. The second is undermining your own oath that you've undertaken as a medical practitioner. Even if you have segued into a different part of the economy, you've now decided to become a politician and to be part of the state as a civil servant, as a political principle. I would have hoped that the deep commitment that made you want to be a doctor in the first place would stay with you even as you migrate into a different part of your life and a different role that you want to play in society. I find it absolutely appalling that any medical doctor, whether retired, not retired, active, not active, could so quickly have abandoned what they would have written in an application as their motivation for why they want to be accepted into med school. So that's the second failure. Now I want to come to the last one, which for me is by far the most important. I am really disappointed that as citizens of South Africa, we are divided about what her remarks amount to, and that there is easily 50% of the, at least I'm now speaking anecdotally on social media, at least 50% of folks that you might do vox pops with who will say that, yeah, you can criticize how she said it, where she said it, but ultimately she makes an important point. No, she does not ultimately make an important point. It is true that the Zimbabwean government is letting down its citizens. That is a separate question. But what is going on in this clip is something so spectacularly obvious that it's mind-boggling how many smart South Africans, black, white, colored, Indian, suburbanites, those living in the township, peri-urban areas, are just successfully being hoodwinked by the African National Congress. She wants you to give her a round of applause for bitching and moaning about Zimbabweans because it means that you are not bitching and moaning about her uselessness. The truth of the matter is that we are here where the public health system has collapsed in many parts of the country, not because of Zimbabweans in the country, but because of ANC state capture and a collapse of the ANC in terms of its moral center that no longer holds, and because of a bureaucracy that is not fit for purpose. Even if every single Zimbabwean left tomorrow, you would still have a public health system that is in tatters. Because actually, you cannot reduce the systemic failure, the ethical leadership failure, lack thereof within the ANC and within the state. You can't reduce it to illegal immigrants in the country. You can recognize that illegality is a problem, 
And we need to fix that. Fix the borders. Make sure the system works. But you cannot pretend that the sine qua non for change is to get rid of foreigners. You can get rid of the last foreign national tomorrow, deport them back to Bulawayo and Harare. You're still going to have clinics in the Eastern Cape that do not provide services to rural folks there. And this is why you need to think before simply swallowing whatever it is that these useless politicians are throwing at you by way of changing the conversation away from the ANC to scapegoating Zimbabweans. How do you explain useless service delivery in parts of the country where you don't have foreign nationals in high numbers? I've just come back from a weekend in the Eastern Cape. My hometown is Makanda. I was also in East London drove through areas like Petty on the way back to East London, King Williamstown, at Cornley. It is a disgrace from the potholes to the lack of refuse removal, high levels of unemployment, a clinic that functioned about 50 metres from the house where I grew up as a little kid is now a shell. How do you explain that in relation to Zimbabweans being in Johannesburg? You, you can't. If it was true that the most important reason why the health system in Limpopo doesn't work is because Zimbabweans are jumping the fence. How do you explain the fact that the health system is also useless in many parts of the country where you don't have high numbers of foreign nationals? And the answer is because actually the biggest explanation for why our system is not working, and the same is true of other parts of the state like education, is because of grand-scale theft so grand scale that we now give it a unique name because it's actually different from ordinary corruption and we call it state capture, which is why we now have whistleblowers that are being assassinated because they are telling you about illegal tenders involving millions and billions of rands that is being diverted from, for example, PPE from other critically important services technologies, goods that need to be bought for public health facilities in Gauteng, for example, and it's being funneled towards the bank accounts of corrupt civil servants who are in cahoots with corrupt players in the private sector. That is where you need to go and do your analysis to understand what the most important, the most major drivers are of systemic collapse of the public health system. And so, both as a commentator and as a citizen, I appeal to you to think critically about what the politicians are up to, including Minister Aaron Mozzoletti. Of course it is true that we need to have a rational system of border controls and immigration policies that make sense to us, even in a selfish manner. I've got no problem with that. But what I find absolutely bizarre is that despite many years of the ANC showing us just how disinterested it is in responsive, ethical, servant leadership, we can allow it to get away with changing the subject. Instead of us focusing on putting the ANC-led state on trial, we are successfully joining the orgy of Afrophobia of the health MEC of Limpopo, and that is really dangerous. Because if we go down that path, the ANC is also going to succeed in telling you that you need to vote for it again in 2024.
Let's think about it a little bit critically. You can insist that foreign nationals behave lawfully and you can reject an ANC politician that is unethical and who also pretends that the lack of ethics and technocratic excellence within the state isn't the most important explanation for why the public health system is in tatters. But the truth of the matter is, between corruption, health officials that can't do their job, hospital and primary health care facility managers that have a disdain for whistleblowers and clamp down on excellent public health staff members who want to do an honest day's work, those are the factors we need to be focusing on, not scapegoating foreign nationals that are waiting to undergo surgery.